All right, this is Behind the DM Screen. It is November, November of 2019. We are three DMs talking about our games and helping each other out, and that's all the intro you get. Oh, no, sometimes I introduce us. Uh, I'm Jeff Greiner. Also <laughs> with us is Mike Shea. Say hi, Mike. Hello. And also the illustrious Sam Dillon. Hola. Como estas? All right. Now we can start. Uh, Mike, you're yep. up first, so oh my God, go for I'm it. First. I'm starting the timer. Go. Totally not ready. Uh, so I'm running two Ghost of Saltmarsh games. Uh, one is my Sunday. I have a Sunday game and a Wednesday game. I talk about my lots of echo, but we can hear you, I hear. Uh, maybe I should unmute the other one and then turn it on when I'm off. So hopefully that helps. Um, so uh, I'm going to talk about my Wednesday game because I already talked about my Sunday game on my Sunday show. Um, so in my Wednesday game, the characters have been going through all of the adventures. They just they finished um, they finished Isle of the Abbey and they started uh, the final enemy, which is the assault on the uh, Sahuigan fortress. And uh, like the other like most of the other adventures, I really like how it sort of sets up a situation and then lets the characters decide how they're going to approach it. So I really like how they set up situations and let the characters decide how that situation is going to occur. Um, but uh, it's also, you have no idea what how the characters are going to deal with the situation. So the characters went to the place and you know they sort of have a they sort of have a timer going right like the minute they go into a Sahuigan fortress and start screwing around with things uh, is the minute they're going to you know that that like the Sahu are going to going to figure them out and your goal for that section of the adventure isn't to um, kill all the Sahuigan it's to learn about how strong the force is mm -hmm. and what you need to do so. Um, uh, my my players went in through the front door on the upper level. They managed to get some Sahuigan. They, they lured some Sahuigan away. So, um, you know, they managed to get him away. But then the timer's already started, right? They didn't fight him, but it's like, well, something weird happened in the Sahuigan fortress. So now they, you know, when those, when those guys come back is now a concern, right? Uh, so then they went in and they actually did kill a couple of Sahuigan on the way in. And they started navigating through the place. But as they're going, they realize, like, the timer is getting tighter. And, you know, there's like a hundred Sahuigan in this place. And, you know, depending on where they go and what they do and how many they fight, like somebody's going to figure them out. And then this whole fortress is going to come down on them. And, and that was, they were the, the, the players were aware of this. So, uh, they managed to get to the stairwell that leads down to the second level. There's three big levels on this, in this fortress. And they got to the second level and, um, they uh, at that point, they, they defeated a, bun a bunch of Sahuigan at that at that place. And they said, you know what? We're getting out like we learned a bunch of stuff. We saved a bunch of slaves, a bunch of like orc and hobgoblins. They grabbed weapons and fought a bunch of Sahuigan that that helps us build a distraction so that we can get the hell out of here. Let's get the hell out of here. And and half of me is like, that sounds like a great idea. And the other half is like, there's two more levels you haven't even gotten to yet. <laughs> right. And there's a lot of cool stuff down there. Right. And, and it's kind of like, you know. So what do you do? What do you do then? So so they left and th and we ended the adventure last week with them leaving the Sahuigan fortress and saying, we're going to go back to our ship and probably go back to Saltmarsh and tell them what we found so far, which is a fair bit, but not everything like they didn't they didn't fight. They didn't see the barons. They didn't see the the uh, Sokola, the avatar Sokola that gets summoned. There's a bunch of stuff down there. Mm -hmm. 
So um, they're doing that. And then uh, I found out two of my six players are going to be out. And there's always a risk at the last moment that one other will be out. Which And I don't have any fallbacks right now. Which means I could have as few as three players next game. And what I was thinking about today was how about instead of having them sort of deal with the Sahuigan threat and then go back and deal with it, what if I had like a side quest that just involved one of the characters, right? So like one of the characters is a Furbolg barbarian. He's a Furbolg storm. There's like a storm barbarian build now, I guess. Um, is that a Xanathar thing? Maybe. It could also... Yes. So Maybe may sword. Think. Okay, there was also some similar stuff with Sword Coast um, back in the yeah, day. Yeah, so but... he picked a he picked a stormy barbarian, you know, whatever build that is. Storm Herald. Thank you. Two C two two CG official says Storm Herald. Thank you, two CG official. By the way, you make great books. So um, <laughs> they uh, they so you know so I said like, wouldn't it be interesting if I did a side quest that involved just this character? Like, you know, I'm pretty sure he's going to make it. And I'll, I'll be screwed if he doesn't. If I go through a whole route of like planning a little side quest for him and that's my game prep and then the characters don't do that, you know, wow. But my idea was to go into the dread, the, 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 is it the dread forest? What's it called? There's an evil forest. There's the always an evil forest. Yeah. There's the, there's a forest <laughs> called the Dreadwood that's near Saltmarsh and it's got a really awesome backstory to it. Like it's, it's one of these sort of one page descriptions that makes your mind build a 20th level campaign. Okay. And they did a really good one. It's like there's an evil hag that runs the place called Granny Nightshade. And she has like 11. Oh, she's got a hag. So, of course, Sly, Sly Furish wants hags. to use it, right? Yeah. But like the hag is too powerful. Like I'm not even bringing the hag involved. But she has a bunch of Oni spies, too. So she has a bunch of vampire consorts. And she has a bunch of Oni spies. And then other weird stuff that you would find inside of uh, Evil Forest. And my thought was like, what if I had like a side quest about a Furbolg barbarian from that was like the grandfather of this guy's character who was a hero and his tomb is out in the middle of the dreadwood and the character um you know learns about the tomb but also learns that like it's surrounded by all of this villainy that granny nightshade has and by the way he had this you know this wonderful sword that was like his legacy but it's trapped in this tomb with this stuff right and that's like as far as i got with my thought today but um, I, I kind of I, I never really build sort of character focused side quests like this. Mm -hmm. and, and I have like these ideas like I, I like the idea of having an Oni spy who works for Granny Nightshade. Um, there's already a plot that the one of the councilmen has been is going to be tried in Killand for smuggling and he's going to be extradited there. So my thought was like maybe he gets grabbed up while they're extraditing him and gets dragged off into the woods as well. And the characters want to like, you know, they're pretty sure he's set up. Like maybe he did the smuggling, but they're pretty sure he was set up by the Scarlet Brotherhood. So why don't we go find out what he has to know? But that's also going to take us in there and then sort of combine these two quests. This, oh, yeah, by the way, my grandfather's tomb out there is out there and I'd like to see it. And so uh, the idea is that it's a side quest focused on that character, but the rest of the party goes. Yeah. OK. Right. Yeah, yeah. OK. Yeah. Yeah. I do that kind of stuff quite a bit. Do you? Yeah. So what what I what 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 thoughts do you have about how I can sort of run this fun? It would be like a three hour game, like a two mm -hmm. and a half hour. Assume I have two and a half hours to run it. You know, what are and, and, and I, you know, some some general themes like werewolves. I think werewolves are cool and werewolves would definitely be in the Dreadwood. And the mm -hmm. idea that there's a bunch of werewolves that work for an Oni who is a sort of spy slash ambassador for this super powerful 
night hag named Granny Nightshade, you know. But I don't have anything other than that. I was going to go grab like a Dyson map, you know, find like a, a, a you know, sort of a Toomey Dyson map and then just see where things go. But what do you what what thoughts do you guys have about interesting things that I could, you know, where I could take? Well, that's I mean, you you can't go too crazy because you're talking. You just said, what, two and a half hours, three hours. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, not, not a big adventure. Like two and a half, three hours. You'll you'll be lucky to get in two good encounters and and some exploration and some role play. Um, I can usually get about if you know, depending on the night. I get a lot in because I do theater of the mind on this. Right. Um, and I don't usually run like every battle really hard. Um, so my I can usually get two or three encounters in in a night anyway. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I don't. I've gone through the last several sessions and we barely had any combat at all, but we'll get to me. <laughs> no, I'm running Dragon Heist, right? It's a big investigation, so there's not a lot of fighting going on. Right. Um, so, so yeah. That said, I, I feel like in these situations, especially for um, personal sort of side quests like this, I find that yeah. one of the things that works really well is... Um, is actually not focusing a ton on the combat encounters. Like, make the combat encounters be sort of a climax, uh, a highlight, but the social and exploration-type encounters are going to help reveal that story a lot more. And since the story is so important because it's so personal, I think that's uh, an important thing to consider as well. Yeah, do, do you guys know anything about furbolgs in general? Like, I haven't even... I need to go read up on Xanathar's... You know about Furball. I think Furball. No, Furballs are in. Uh, what are they in? They're in Volo. And are they in Volo's guide? My my suggestion is um, make it so that so he, he's going to find like his ancestral weapon or something. Some some weapon from one. Yeah, of the well, that was my idea, right? He's a so, barbarian. He likes yeah. giant swords, and so I'm like, well, so grand grand gra- maybe grandmother had yeah. a giant sword. Yeah, so so my my suggestion is um, make something surprising about that sword. Like make them when they find the sword, they also need to find out some information that is surprising about his family background. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. he didn't know yet. Hmm. Um, because then it's like, oh, even if this side quest isn't really related to sort of the main arc that we're doing, right. it's it has such a personal connection. And then you find out something really interesting. Yeah, and it's also sort of building the setting, building the world in right. that way, right? It, maybe yeah. maybe grandma was uh, was involved in some major event in in the history of the of the this region. You know, uh, maybe tie it into one of the future adventures or back to the Sahawagan stuff that you never got to. That was all that really cool stuff that they skipped. Uh, Maybe it's grandma was involved in something deep down in one of those secrets and and tie it all back in together uh, from from the ancient past. Yeah. Or the or the story is in how the how the hag got right got possession of the sword. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe the ancestor gifted it to the hag. Mm-hmm. And so the ha- the hag has a more interesting sort of background than just oh I'm an evil hag mwahaha. Mm-hmm. Um, you know maybe the hag did something uh, maybe before they were a full on hag. You know it depends on how you how you conceive of mm. what how does a hag become a hag right? Yeah. Like, like maybe there was something in that in that hag's life that they did something good for one of the ancestors and so they got gifted this this weapon or item whatever it is. Yeah. 
Yeah, I and, think I think you know, maybe like they. I mean, you know, I I I keep my ideas relatively simple, and the idea that mm-hmm. they go in here and there's like these furball barbarian whites that are guarding this, you know, tomb mm-hmm. where the barbarian king, you know, his his or barbarian queen, his grandmother was, right. and they have to like either talk or fight their way through the whites, right. you know, kind of gonna explore the tomb. And I want to make the tomb like maybe old dead trees, right? Like mm-hmm. this sort of natural tombs that they made, not, not the stonework. Right. And then maybe finding out like, you know, your, your grandmother was this, you know, warrior of nature, but your grandfather was actually captured by the hag and is still there. Right. And has been oh. right. imprisoned by the hag. Sure. Yeah. The, Kind of have this there whole. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind because I think it actually makes sort of the world a little bit wider if it's not connected to either the Scarlet Brotherhood or, or all this other stuff. Or sure. The yeah. Stuff like I, you know that I, I have all these other major fronts, but I think one having another one which they know about. Like I've been sort of hinting about the Granny Nightshade stuff and the Dreadwood stuff, and they know like ah that's not really our main thing, is it? And I'm like no, but it's happening. You know, right. and if they decide, like when they're done at the end of this whole campaign at level eleven mm-hmm. or what, they say, you know, now's our time to go into the Dreadwood. I'm like, okay, now we're ready. Like, I got, I got eleven vampire consorts <laughs> to throw your way. <laughs> like, I got like twenty two oni that are so, waiting so for you to show up. How do you feel about Sam's idea though that the the sword was gifted to, or maybe even a gift from the Hag to to the family or whatever? Yeah, it'd be interesting. Like, there, yeah, what I, you know, what's the direct, what's the connection of that, and then what happens when? Um, I mean, I, I think it might. Well, I don't know. I was thinking, like, it, you know, maybe the hag wants the sword. Like, if it's some, it's it's sort of a, a sword that is protected by the grove, and even her group can't get in there, right? There, oh. there's like this shell, okay. and him going in and getting it is exactly what she wants because that way. He's going to bring it out, and now she can go hunt. She can steal. Well, see, see. and I was even thinking the other direction. Maybe she's the only one keeping everybody else away from the sword until the rightful owner, you know, some some ancient deal that she made, and then you then you can have this really fun encounter of yay, we won, we got the sword. You come out of the tomb, and there's the hag waiting for you, and you're crapping your pants, and then you realize no, she's just going to talk it out, and realize oh, you're actually the rightful heir. I don't like it, but here you go, you know. Yeah, but. I'm still coming for you later. You know, you got safe passage out of the forest, but I'm coming for you later. There's, there's also the idea of, you know, the hag was uh, just some sort of guardian, right. Of, of this powerful weapon. But then, but wait, but then, but then the hag in order to really protect the weapon had to do such horrible things for, you know, several generations that that's what actually corrupted the soul and, and made that thing a hag. Mm-hmm. You know. could be. Yeah, like maybe right. She has this long time connection to it. Yeah, I think right. one, one thing is like you know, and this interesting thing about Granny Nightshade is they bill her as a hag, as a night hag in particular. Mm-hmm. But when they describe her, she's like a twentieth level archmage, right? Oh. <laughs> she's yeah. like a thousand yeah. years old. She's uh-huh. not. She's not a normal hag. You know, she's a hag, but she's a hag like you know, like like you know, what's his name, the archmage and you know, the archlich and tomb of annihilation. Yeah. You know, a Sarek? Yeah, she's she's serious. So, you know, I think also for her, it's like one one thousandth of her current agenda. Right. Right. Like Absolutely. she's like, I got big things. Like she probably lives across two planes. So, yeah. you know, she, she's like, oh, yeah, that's sort of, you know. So I, I like the idea that, yeah, like maybe it was gifted. It was a long time, you know, a, there's a long time connection between his his family, mm-hmm. his lineage. 
that maybe goes two ways. Maybe it's sort of like the the family of black in um, Harry Potter, right, right? Where you know some of them are are good and some of them are terrible, right. and you know your family's still your family. But yeah, oh yeah, the uncle he's actually still alive and he's <laughs> right. out there, right? Cool. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. All right. That sounds great. Uh, before we move on to Sam, I want to mention our sponsor. The Tome Show sponsor right now is SkullSplitterDice.com. If you go to SkullSplitterDice.com slash Tome Show, you can find a coupon code there, that, which is Tome Show, all lowercase letters. Uh, get yourself 15% off some of the awesome dice they have at Skull Splitter Dice. Uh, I've, I've been really enjoying mine. Um, Sam, I believe you, you have some as well, and I think you talked about them recently, right? No. That was Tracy. Oh, that was Tracy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so one of the things I, I – one of the sets that I got was this uh, bundle of like necromancer dice and it's a bunch of sort of themed dice or whatever. And it was posed in the picture with this really cool um, necromantic skull dice box thing. Uh, like it's it's shaped like a skull but the, the, the top of the skull opens up and you can store your dice inside. Um so I thought that was really cool, but unfortunately it doesn't come with the bundle. And they make it very clear that it doesn't come with the bundle. And then I discovered just recently they're actually selling the skull as well. So now I'm, I, I might go back and have to buy some more things. I also saw they have a, they have a, a, a one of those hoodie blanket things that you can have for wandering around the house that actually is made up to look like the, the skin of a displacer beast. It's got like the tentacles p- printed on the back and all that. <laughs> uh, so now I'm thinking about going and, nice. and buying some more stuff from Skull Splitter. But when I do, I'll make sure to use the... Uh, I'll make sure to use Tome Show to get 15% off, and all of you should too. All right, Sam, you're up. Are you guys over there laughing at me in the in the <laughs> in the chat? You got a displacer yeah. beast snuggie. No, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right, uh, Sam, you're up. All right. Uh, so I've been having a ton of fun. So last time we had an episode, we talked about I asked you, like, if if you had been playing in a campaign and you were about to get some magic items, like what what kind of fantastical magic items could you find, you know, on a pirate ship that you were that you were uh, looking at? And um, and you gave me some really good ideas. And I decided to actually I decided go big or go home, and so I put an apparatus of qualish on there, <laughs> and so my players, my players found it. And but I, I modified it a great deal, and it not only can uh, swim and be a submarine, it can also fly a little bit. It can hover, um, and uh, it also has some buttons on it that have some planar sigils that um, my my players are afeard that it will actually take them to a different plane, but they don't know how to go there if they could get back. So uh, so that's really super fun because they had to figure out how to use it. And then they had to steal it off of the pirate ship. Um, and along with that, I gave them a bunch of magic items and each of them got some uh, a particular item that could actually affect their PC more so than just, oh, here's a magic item that makes you more powerful, but more in terms of uh, for example, one of my one of my players is a Lutrinian, which is an otter folk, um, and uh, they they're they're very clan like people in my setting. And the 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 sword that that character got is actually um, related to the ancestral line of chieftains for the Lutrinians, and so. Uh, you can only wield it if you are actually nobility, 
and somehow this character can wield this sword. So now they're like, uh oh, there are some consequences for this. So I like doing my magic items that way. They do get some interesting stuff that they can use that doesn't really relate to any kind of backstory other than it's just fun stuff. But then they get these items that have an effect on their character and how that character moves forward. Um, good and bad. I always uh, like to put drawbacks into some really powerful magic items because I feel like, look, I can't. if you've got this huge powerful magic item, why wouldn't it have a drawback? Like there's got to be some, everything positive come with, comes with a negative, right? Like almost, it's almost a rule in life, right? If things are really, really great, there's, there's almost always some kind of drawback. There's almost always something that you had to make a decision to focus on this thing to make this part of your life really good. And so that means you had to make some other things a lower priority. And that's kind of how magic items are, right? It has these great, great abilities and then there's also this kind of drawback over here that and it might it's not even necessarily like, oh, it suddenly makes your charisma go low or, oh, you know, nothing like that. But more like there are consequences to using this magic item, because when you're in the world and you have something really powerful, guess what? Other people want that thing <laughs> and other people think they're more worthy to have that thing than than you are to have it. So um so that's that. So so I took your advice and I put some really awesome things in there and my players had a ball and they're still having a ball with it. Um, and in terms of uh, what they're doing, if you watch the stream, then you know this, but I'll just do a quick rundown. They uh, got into a storm accidentally. They, they fled the island, the main island that they're on, and they're trying to go to this large city called Calport where they've heard it, there's this amazing library and they want to get this information uh, to try to solve these issues that they've uh, been discovering. And they ran into a storm, and it was such a horrible storm. It damaged their ship, and a couple of their crew members went overboard, and, and the morale is really low. And then they run into um, this race of uh, crocodile men that are that are part of my setting. They're called the Hakka, and they're very tribal characters. And they, they towed the character's ship into their island, and they... They say, "Oh, this is great! The prophecies of of the great Sea Father are 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 coming true, and you're here to help us." And uh, they offer them this feast, and the and the the characters and and most of their crew take part in this feast. And then at the end of the feast, the the clan leader presents the captain of the ship, which is one of the PCs, with this bright, brilliant red feather. And when she accepts the feather, that is in the Hakka culture, that is an indication that they accept the duty that has been asked of them. And then it becomes clear to the party, oh, crap, we actually – they need something done. So the thing they need done is this particular uh, group of people, this particular uh, species, when they uh, – they lay eggs, and the eggs have to be incubated in these humongous vats of mud, and so they use these natural mud springs. But something has happened, and they haven't had a successful hatching in like three or four generations, and so they think something has corrupted their their mud incubation area. And now there are these different mud creatures that keep coming out and and coming and attacking the town and atta and scaring people and they they can't even go to their temple where the where the mud incubation area is anymore because it's so corrupted and desecrated. And so that's what the party has to go do, but when the party goes and does that, 
they're going they start to go into this old wrecked temple and it's made of this uh really weird type of stone that's almost like clay and mud put together and almost baked like in a kiln but not quite it's more like stone but it's like made of mud and then they remember in the third or fourth session they were on this island and they were speaking to one of the one of the individuals who they had uh they were fighting and and this they kept this person to ask him questions and they learned that um he was a human that is being mutated into a crab so he's sort of a half crab mongrel person but when they said a particular thing to him or they showed him the symbol of the eye that was that they've been trying to figure out what it is it was painted on their boat and it was on the lapels of some Mm -hmm. of these sailors that they found from early on when they showed the the crab half crab man that symbol he all he could say he just kept muttering and and shouting uh seek the howling gate in the palace of mud seek the howling gate in the palace of mud but that was like four sessions ago and so all the players had it in their notes but they didn't really realize oh hey look they just found the palace of mud so they about halfway through this thing they just realized just at the end of the session uh two days ago uh i think we're in the palace of mud oh crap (laughs) we're going to have some problems here in a minute when we find the howling gate because we weren't expecting this so um they had some really interesting um encounters i i like to i like to play with the creatures i like to play with monsters and so they ran into these weird mud creatures and at first it was the shape of a dinosaur and they thought they were fighting a dinosaur and then it sort of morphed midway through and anytime they would do damage to it, when they would take their weapon away, it would have like mud on it. And when it would walk, they would see these big, huge, muddy footprints. And when they did enough damage to it, it sort of lost its color and it lost its form and it sort of melted down. And then these other smaller mud creatures came in, but the, they're, they're kind of a mix between sort of oozes and, and like, and just sort of, uh, and, uh, I don't know puddings, I guess, but okay. they and and almost kind of like elementals because right, they can right. combine their forms when they when they get when they get to a certain hit points. I have them sort of run at each other, and then when they hit each other, they actually combine into a larger creature. <laughs> and so, of course, it is kind of it's like, kind of what is what is that the 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 reverse ochre jelly uh, yeah. element uh, the reverse ochre jelly elemental yeah. Right, yeah. When you, hit, when you hit it and it splits, now it's two little ones, right? This is the opposite of that. It was little, and now when they when they get hurt to a certain extent, they run into each other and create a bigger creature. Um, but it was really freaking the, the the PCs out, and then they realized, oh, we're we're in this weird mud elemental area. So here's my thing. Here's what I need help with. I don't know that I actually need help. It's just uh, throwing I, you know, you guys always have great ideas. So throwing ideas at me is, is always really good. Um, they now have several different ways to go from one plane to another. And they're getting to the point where they're going to have to start going from one plane to another because they can't, they can't resolve the issues that are here without at least going and seeing what's going on in those other planes. Because because of what's happening in the world there's this there's this odd connection between planes and it's damaging the planes where they're connected and that needs to stop but in order to figure that out they have to get to the other planes hmm. so they are very squeamish they 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 as soon as they saw the planar sigils on the controls in the apparatus of qualish they backed off they said oh no we're not touching those right 
they also found a cube uh, of tra- of planar travel, and it, on each side of the cube, it has a sigil for a, a different planar area. And it's like those uh, it's like those those picture frame puzzles where it has like uh, sixteen little squares and one's missing, and you can shift the other ones around until uh-huh. you make yeah, a whole yeah. picture. When you make the whole picture, it'll it'll you know open up and allow you to go through a portal to that particular plane. Oh. So they have this this ability to go there. And one of the sides is a door, and um, you know anybody who knows about Sigil could probably make the connection of the City of Doors. They haven't really said that out loud. I don't know if any of them actually realize mm. that that's what that door symbol means. But um, you know, so they could go to a lot. Of, so here's my question: What do you do when your party is squeamish to go somewhere because they are afraid of what they're going to find? Sure. Well, and that's the. Um, I I have a pre question for yes. before we address your question. You've been telling stories. You've been playing games in this mm-hmm. setting through various timelines for a long time. Yes, right. I don't remember in all the years we've talked about your games a lot of planner travel. So is that a new element that you're adding in that uh, you hadn't done much before? Um, previous to. Me so way back in the early fourth edition days, mm-hmm. there was planar travel in this okay. particular world. So it's it's not really new for the setting, um, but I don't I I don't tend to play with planar travel very much, and I don't tend to play with like time travel very much um, because I th- I and usually it creates big issues, right? And and you either have to have really really powerful PCs that can overcome these planar challenges. Mm-hmm. Or you end up messing up the world, right? You have to have an apocalypse or you change the world in some way. Right. And the thing is with this game, because it's kind of on a timeline, right? Like I'm I'm expecting to be done with this game around the end of, Jul- of January. So we've probably got about five, six sessions left. And they're fifth level right now, and they're probably going to level every other session. So they're probably going to be about eight, maybe nine. It depends on how, really how long it goes. But they're going to – they're going to – they're gonna, they're going to be up there around 10th level, right? And so, I mean, they're not going to be fighting devils probably. You know, right. They're not going to be doing huge planar stuff. But they need to be doing enough that they're actually doing 5th and 6th level PC challenges. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, one, yeah. Of our, one of our folks in uh, – one of the folks in chat, uh, 2CG Gaming, mm-hmm. um, 2CG, says uh, – that having some kind of time pressure for them to, to kind of push them to do something is always a good one. Like why, if, if, if their whole thing is like, well, why would we go explore this? You know, what yeah. is, what is it that will draw them to uh, want to yeah. get involved in this whole thing? Yeah. I was going to kind of ask so that similarly, you, you talked yeah. about how um, they don't seem to want to go there, but they need to go there to sort of get to the next step. But do they know that that's what they need to do to get to the next step? So right now, the, there is a time pressure on them already, and that is that one of the PCs, the captain actually, she, her mom is missing, and her entire her entire plan is I have to go find my mom. Sure. And so she's gotten these different clues, and she 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 thinks she's going to be able to find the clues to find her mom in Calport, which is the place with the library. Right. So. It's possible that I mean I could easily get them there if they go to Calport. She can find whatever she needs to find that's going to tell her, oh, you have to go to a different plane or whatever. Like I can do that, but I I need the other PCs to also have an, 
a, an impetus to do to keep doing these things, mm -hmm. right? Is, so this is kind of fits into the same thing that I've got, which is my hope is that if the characters are are tightly are tied tightly enough together, mm -hmm. they won't mind that they're doing a quest for one character. It's like, hey, we are yeah. we're all going to go help save your mom. They don't all need yeah, a reason yeah. to go independently. Right. Yeah, it's enough for one character to to need yeah. it on the assumption they don't become the new hero forever. Yeah, no, I mean, don't get me wrong. The players are all, they're all bought in. I mean, right. they're all, they want to know what the heck's going on. There have been enough sort of little teasy things where I've pulled in their backgrounds. They all, they all are on the road. They just know that she wants to find her mom first. And they're like, okay. And and as they keep going, they keep running into, you know, like the, this whole thing, uh, the, this group of Hakka, they're, they have two things that they discovered. The Hakka, they they uh, worship the Great Sea Father, which is this huge, enormous clam. Right. And when of they die, like you do. When it's, yeah, you're right. <laughs> like you. When they die, they go to the ancestral Great Coral. Got it. I got it. Six seconds. I know. <laughs> they go to the Great Coral, right? Well, the thing is that one of the PCs is a sea elf, and his in his backstory, he found this piece of coral mm -hmm. while he was investigating a shipwreck. And he's a warlock, and that's what he made his pact with is whatever's con you know, whatever great uh -huh. sort of. And so it really fits really well that, hey, this group, they, they worship the great sea father, and when they die, they go to the great coral, right? That's their ancestral home. But the problem is you have to die to go there. <laughs> well, is, so, is the great coral an actual place on the, in the world, or is it on another plane? Yes, <laughs> exactly. It it is an idea. It's a thing on another plane, and it's a, uh, you know, it's it's like uh, I don't know if you've read uh, the uh, John Carter of Mars books, and the the um, the the uh, the four armed creatures, mm -hmm. right? When they die, they they go and they go on this big journey, and they you know when, at, when they when they know it's time for them to die, they go on this big journey, and they they go on this river, and then they go off off to what they what they think is like this better afterlife, right? But in the second book of the series, spoilers for anybody who hasn't read this book that's like oh. eight years old, uh, when they go they go there, and it turns out it's really they just get eaten. Like mm -hmm. when they get there, they get killed and eaten. It's not really like a heaven, but somehow like it just became oh this is your ancestral lands that you go to when you're about to die and that's kind of how this is because when you think you're dying you have to go off to go find your ancestral home the great sea coral you know who knows what happens actually when you get there like does right. it absorb your soul and just kill you or is it actually the heaven slash you know afterlife thing so yeah right. It's so it's all of those right now. It's all of those because it, you know, I, I'm very open and it's how my players respond that leads me to what ends up being the truth of what's right. going on. Right. So right now it's like Sch it's Schrodinger's coral. All of those <laughs> things could be true. Well, I just didn't know if there was a way of using the coral and the patron and all that to sort of give that uh, player a little more impetus to, to push them towards where you want them to go. If you oh, will. yeah. Yeah, because he found a sentient weapon. It's a coral trident. Uh, so he doesn't know if the sentience is actually the thing he made the pact with, a representative of the thing he made the pact with, or something that actually is the enemy of the thing he made the pact with. Or, uh, it, bar, uh, I don't know, uh, borrow from um, Descent to, into Avernus, uh, the, the sentience in the trident is actually something that's trapped and wants to escape and thinks that when it goes back to its home plane, it'll, it'll work. Whether it does or not is, yeah. of course, up to you. But 
Um, that might be another way that. Oh yeah, this is to- you need to totally go with them and do this thing. That's that'll totally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that'll help yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. You'll be more powerful than ever. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, cool. Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of ways to do it. I just uh, I sometimes I I. I I like it to be interesting and different. I don't want it to feel cliche. You know what I mean? Right, right. And sometimes I do things and I'm like, ah, oh, that's going to seem so cliche. Of course, my players, they're all in. They're like, yeah, wh- whatever. Like, we're ha- having so right. much fun, it doesn't matter, which is the place you want to be in, right? But it's it's still, you know, as a DM, you question, right? Shazar yeah. in chat says that it might actually be cool if instead of a sentient trident, that it's made out of coral that's still alive. Oh yeah, so yeah, it's a living a living weapon yeah. that also right. is sentient, but it's not an inanimate. Yeah. Right, it's not like a spirit trapped yeah. in it. It's actually that the things yeah. al- you're you're wielding a, a, a right. creature. Yeah, yeah I've had yeah, I've had elven bows yeah. that were that way that are made out of living wood. Right on. Right. Cool. Yeah, cool. That's a good idea. Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, hopefully there's some some things there for you to chew on, um, yeah. and go with from there. So before we go on to to my turn. Uh, I want to remind people that if you want to support The Tome Show, you can do so directly by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash The Tome Show. Uh, and, you know, for a dollar a month, become part of that community. I go to them uh, several times, once or twice a month, and, and sort of ask for some guidance and, and some thoughts about where things are going from there and, and um, preview some potential um, ideas that I have boiling around in my head. So uh, do that. Uh, it is my turn. I'm starting my timer. So, um, as we know, I am running Waterdeep Dragon Heist, um, and, and, and five other adventures and, 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 oh, way more than five. No, way more than five. Um, all put together. All, all put together. But the main, it's the last three years of Watsy Adventures, plus a couple of your own. Right. No, that's yeah. not true. No. And, and some stuff from, yep. and some stuff from Cobalt Press. Yeah. And, and yeah, say, there's none of, there. none of it's my own. <laughs> and some of it's yours. <laughs> so. Yay. I'll shut up now. Yeah, that's right. You will. <laughs> Um, so in, I think the last time we chatted, I had just finished a session with the fireball, um, event. Uh, and then I stopped it there, you know, with the, with the climax. Okay. Well, next time and leave him on a cliffhanger. Right. So, um, since then, and man, with this group, uh, unlike the, the old group in North Carolina, we play every week. So I feel like there's so much that's happened now because, uh, instead of one or two sessions, I've had three or four sessions. Um, so there's a lot going on, but so they've, they've done a lot of the investigation, um, piece. They sort of followed the, they found out about the, 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 the puppet that is the nimble, right. That was responsible. I'm using, I'm Matt. Because I'm doing everything right, um, I'm mashing up, uh, and and I've mentioned this before. I'm using the some of the ideas from the Lost Tales of of that product that um, a lot of the writers uh, and D, and uh, DMs Guild adepts put together. That sort of alternative options for um, Dragon Heist, uh, and so I liked some of that investigation piece and some of the others, I, some of it I didn't, and, and some of the stuff I like, I wanted to highlight the the Temple of Gond, which doesn't appear in this alternative one, uh, but I thought that was a really cool idea. You kind of get to see the museum, you get the little hint about the Scarlet Marpanoth and all that kind of stuff. That was fun. So I kind of mashed them up and, and um, did both at the same time. And so they found out about the Nimble Rite. They went off to the Temple. Uh, first, they actually ended up, uh, before they even got the the nimble right detector uh, at the Temple of Gone, they went 
uh, over to um, the Sea Maidens Fair to the to the ships there, and ended up having the encounter with um, uh, Zardoz Zord uh, and found out about his nimble rights. Uh, and actually, um, also did the site while they were there. Like, ah, we're we're in the harbor. Let's do the side quest that we have, the faction mission that we have to go talk to the dragon and figure out what's going on there. And then they actually tried to like, they tried to make a deal with Zardoz Zord. Oh well, we happen to know where there's a dragon. That if we can work it out, that the dragon can get access through the dragon ward. Maybe they can come and join the fair, right, and be part of your crew. <laughs> and uh, you know, Zardoz Zord is all about that and whatever. And so, uh, and at one point, one of the characters was swimming around and noticed the Scarlet Marpanoth underneath, and there was the silhouette of of the real form of Zardoz Zord down there. But you couldn't really tell. You just sort of saw the the big hat and 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 a, and a figure sort of waving at him or whatever but this is also the character that is working for Brigandareth so it kind of mm-hmm. worked out that, that, you know I know I know who you are I'm keeping an eye on you ha 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 move along you know um, and so that was fun and I really enjoyed those those encounters I think they the, the players really enjoyed those encounters um, and so that, that was that was a good time uh, what changes though in this investigation is that the the assault or whatever with Grawlhund uh, Villa or Manor or whatever it's called that doesn't happen in in the alternative thing that I'm taking from the Lost Tales product. Uh, instead, it was um, a Drow who is um, trying to get back in good with Brigandareth, who arranged for the the stone to be stolen. And is now in sort of a, a safe house. Uh, they're hiding out, waiting for the the heat to cool down, and then they're going to try to use the stone to get back in good with their um, with Brigandareth. Um, I connected that to the drought. So, so there's the the Zint. Um, I think it's a Zint, a Zint faction mission where there's a serial killer killing elves uh, down by the dock ward. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I decided that those two were both sort of were colluding together. So there were two drow, the drow gunslinger that was serial killing elves and this other one who arranged for the, the stone. And they were working with Nim's nimble right companion to, to tie it all together nicely. Right. Um, and then <laughs> because I couldn't disappoint Mike and I had to squeeze another product in there. <laughs> it's actually it's actually a DMs Guild product um, that is intended to be in Waterdeep uh, called Blue Alley. Um, yeah, sure. I ran Blue Alley. Yeah, yeah. So so I took Blue Alley and I decided that the safe house is actually inside Blue Alley. Um, so it can only. That sounds, really, like a, that sounds like a terrible place for a safe house. Well, it's, <laughs> so you can only use it once, but nobody's going to come in and, and hunt for it I all guess. the time, right? If you make it to it and don't get killed. Well, so it was fairly. Uh, it was <laughs> there, there's a spot with a secret door fairly close to the entrance, uh, and it yeah. was actually just on the other side of that secret door, so you could kind of get in and out without a lot of dangers if you knew how where you're going. Um, and so they showed up there, uh, you know, they, they're signing into the guest book of Blue Alley and all the, there's like a dozen names before them. And they're like, wait a minute, all these names are drow. What's going on? That's strange. Right? Uh, they get to, they, they find the safe house. It's actually the first direction they went. They find the safe house. Uh, and, and all this, you know, all these drow from Brigandera, they're, they're trying to bust down the door and, and get to this guy who stole the stone. Um, and they they get the door down. Um, they 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 end up in a fight with all the drow because the drow are like, yeah, we're not gonna do our business in front of you, so you need to go away. And they're like, yeah, we're not going away. And it turned into a fight, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then then I had the two drow inside that were responsible for for stealing the stone and the fireball and all that. And and um, they both they look at the carnage and they're like, well, there's no way we win this fight, 
right? Against this against this party of of adventurers, um, and so they're kind of like frozen in like, well, we know stuff that you want to know, and we'd also like to live. So, <laughs> what kind of arrangement can we make? And the players were like, well, here's the deal: um, whoever talks first lives. <laughs> right <laughs> and both of them immediately start like blabbing all the information they have uh and so um it turns into great so you're the one who talked first you get to live and then they 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 start a fight with the the gunslinger one that they didn't really like anyway because he was a serial killer and a racist uh and so they start a fight with him and the other drow who was you know working in collusion with him like joins the party and, and starts casting spells and attacking that drow too just like show sign of good faith you know <laughs> I'm on your side, I swear. <laughs> um, and then they find out that um, that uh, Nim's creation escaped with the stone. And I decided to, um, to give myself some wait time. Because my concern is, as you get to this point of the adventure, is that things sort of hit the ground running and they don't stop until the end. It's just boom, 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 boom from this point forward. But there's still a lot of other like side things that they have that they want to do and that they're working on, whatever. So I told them that, that um, Nim's creation has the stone and has explicit instructions to lay low until a certain date and then deliver it. And so I'm running the, the summer um, season. So it's the Castellanter season, right? And so it's, you know, lay low until just before Founders Day, until a few days before Founders Day, which is when they're doing the big celebration uh, and what and the, the sacrifice and all of that. And they need the stone and uh, to go get the gold right before that. So they need a couple days with the stone to get that gold before the, the Founders Day hits. So that gives me a, a good 10 or 12 days to allow them to sort of run around and do some of these faction missions. And honestly, do some of these um, faction missions that I've added, like from um, your book and from from um, Kobold Press's Margrave and, and some of the other things, right? That they don't, they're hesitant to do because you got to travel like a day or two to get to them. Well, th there's a lot going on in the city. They don't want to leave town for a few days to take care of these things. Well, this gives them a little breathing room to take care of some of those things. Um, I think they're also eager to... The players, I think, are eager to go out and do something um, – to do something a little bit more um, traditional D&D-ish, right? They're, they've gone three, four sessions in a row now with hardly a single combat. It's a lot of investigation. It's a lot of role play. They, they've enjoyed the, the moving of the narrative. Uh, they're enjoying the dungeon-ish nature of Blue Alley, but there's not, there's not a lot of fighting in Blue Alley. It's, it's puzzles and traps and things, right? Um, so I think they're ready to go off and, and you know, find the, the, what is it, the cultist of dusk uh, from uh, your fantastic adventures uh, and, and go off and, and beat those guys up for a while and do something a little more traditional. Uh, so all of that, that's where we left off. We're in the middle of Blue Alley. They actually uh, went through a few rooms after that, and they found the unicorn that, that is sort of the prize of Blue Alley, right? But they've mm -hmm. barely explored the rest of it. So they know they have the unicorn, but they don't know how to get out. Although one of the characters um, did the thing where they, they took off all, all of their equipment and clothes and touched the, the gate and teleported out into the alley. Um, outside of the, the dungeon that is Blue Alley, right? So now you've got this naked character, uh, you know, covered in trash and whatever, separated from the rest of the party. So i got to figure out what to do with them. Because, uh, like, do you have it so that you can just go sign the guest book again and go walk back into Blue Alley? Well, that seems kind of <laughs> lame, right? So, um, But then what are they going to do for, like, 
three hours while everybody else is, is doing the rest of it. Uh, one of the things, and you ran Blue Alley, uh, you said, Mike. So one of the things that, that I thought about in Blue Alley, so part of the premise is that Mert has sent them in to, to recover his unicorn that was stolen and put in there as, as loot or whatever. Right. Um, and so, and I had that, they, they already have contact with Mert. He's their, their Harper contact. And so he was, you know, they, when they got there with their nimble, right detector, trying to find uh, Nim's creation, um, Mert was actually just outside the blue alley, sort of pacing back and forth, trying to figure out how to get in to get his unicorn back because he's already barred from going in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but then one of the things that, that I noted in the adventure is that once you get the unicorn and you get it outside of blue alley, it starts talking to you and saying, I want to be free. I want to, you know, right. I, I want to not be a, be a statue anymore. Make me, you know, let me turn, turn me back into a unicorn and let me, let me go. Don't give me this Mert guy. But Mert mm-hmm. wants, well, Mert wants the unicorn anyway, which doesn't make a ton of sense because Mert's not a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why does he want to keep this unicorn entrapped? And that's when I started layering in things to prepare for the next campaign. Right. <laughs> right? Hmm. So you like to keep it simple. I like to go complex. Yeah. And I decided I decided in this campaign I'm going to start layering – I'm going to start introducing the players to some of the NPCs and concepts hmm. that, that will show up when I run Descent into Avernus, which is what I want to do next. I, I, I got the, the Platinum Edition, so I'm, uh, I want to use all that, right? Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Did you get it? Is, tra- is it, it hasn't it? it hasn't arrived yet. No, Tracy Tracy and I uh, we we used some Tome Show money and we got it so that we can review it uh, for the show. So cool. Nice. Yeah, I'd like to hear about it. Yeah, that that was I, the idea. Like got the Sinister Silver Edition for right Saltmarsh. So, but but so part of my idea was what if this unicorn has has been has been basically it's being hunted or it's been cursed or whatever by something in Avernus, right? And the only way that it's not being found is because it's not actually a unicorn anymore. It's a statue. And once it's mm-hmm. not a statue and it becomes, it becomes a unicorn again, it'll get drugged back. It'll get drugged down into hell. And then used in the demon zapper that's, in, that's being powered by a unicorn in Descent into Avernus. So I'm like, great. So, so the players will know this unicorn a little bit. And then, you know, two or three years from now when we're playing that adventure and they get to the, the, to the demon zapper, I can be like, hey, remember that unicorn? Here it is, you know. So I'm just sort of layering in some of the the best. Yeah, so I'm I'm just highly recommend that. I love doing. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing so, and I'm doing the same thing. Like so, one of the other things I do is I do I do a a weekly or every session I write a a one a one page front and back newsletter of the the Waterdeep Wazoo. Mm-hmm. And and I'm using that to foreshadow things and, and fill in some setting stuff that they're not that they haven't otherwise encountered, and also to talk about sort of the effects of their actions, right? Well, right. Th- for this last session in Blue Alley, game time it had only been like a couple of hours since the last issue of what the Waterdeep Wazoo came out, and so it's like this doesn't make sense to publish another Waterdeep the Waterdeep Wazoo a few hours after the last one came out. And so, um, what I what I did instead, and I, I there's a, a Waterdeep journalist uh, Facebook group that I'm part of that speci- just specifically of people who are writing newsletters and things for Dragon Heist, mm-hmm. uh, and I asked them about it, and their suggestion that I ended up using was um, just make a newsletter for the same day, but a different newsletter, a different publication. 
Mm-hmm. And so the one I did was the 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 vigilant citizen. I, I did some research and I found some actual broadsheet titles for Waterdeep, and one is called the vigilant citizen. And I decided the vigilant citizen is being funded by the noble family in Baldur's Gate that is sort of the the beginning villain of the whole adventure. So now they're becoming familiar with sort of that mentality, but also those NPCs indirectly. So that when they show up later on, they'll have some some exposure to that as well. So, uh, so that's that's been fun and that's been going well. And now I'm down to thirty seconds. So let me tell you about the other thing I've been doing lately that actually has been working really well uh, that I haven't had a chance to talk about yet. Uh, one of the things that I constantly deal with is the fact that I'm not good at remembering to give inspiration, mm-hmm. and we've talked about that before. So I came up with uh, – I, I, I stumbled upon this idea. I was actually inspired listening to a Demon Plague uh, podcast by James Intercasso DMing it. And he kind of did I'm this sorry. – I'm sorry. Who? James Intercasso. Do you know some, the guy? Some guy yeah, none he, of us have heard of. No. no he's, nobody, nobody knows who this guy is. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe one day. Yeah. He, he'll make it someday. Yeah. Uh, he's but, working hard. Right. But he did a thing in one, of the, one episode or one session of the Demon Plague um, where um, – he asked the players a did question. Did you totally just hand wave the fact that the alarm went off? He totally did. I, he I, waved I, around. I literally do it every time we record. For us, he's like showing talk. it. He's like, oh, you've got five uh-huh. seconds left, Sam. Yep. Uh-huh. And then, and then yeah, right. you always go way over it anyway. So I'm just doing my part too. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even think about it. <laughs> yeah, that's every 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 time we record, I do that. It's no big deal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> How many seconds over you are, that, Jeff? That's a, okay. <laughs> Man, that is distracting, isn't it? <laughs> You're like, I'm too distracted. I can't stop. Sorry. I interrupted. Um, so the other thing that I've been doing – so James did this thing in an episode where he he asked them a question, like a kind of a role-playing question at the beginning of the session and then gave them all inspiration. I think he did that for a couple sessions. And I'm like, that's a really good idea. And so I've been incorporating that idea into every single session. I asked them, hey, on the way back from the Margrave Forest, you guys had several hours of walking. Who did you talk to and what did you talk about? Right? And then the, the, the last session was, hey, you just searched all over several wards of, of Waterdeep looking for this nimble, right? Um, on, along the way, you saw something that reminded you of home because none of them were actually from Waterdeep. You saw something that reminded you of home. What was it or who was it? And, and what did it remind you of, right? And I, so I, I've been asking those kinds of questions, and it, it draws out this really interesting sort of role-playing opportunities. It, it reminds me a little bit of sort of the one-on-ones that happen between players in, in like, Critical Role and, and shows like that, where they're actually interacting with each other. They're taking each other aside and having these conversations and, and these role-playing moments. And then I'm like, great, everybody participated. Everybody starts the session with inspiration. And then I can kind of forget about it the rest of the rest of the session. And then they and they're using it because they know they're going to get, you know, every every session they're going to get another inspiration token. So they might as well use it. And they're using them. Uh, almost every single one of them is using them every session. It's That's going great. really well. Yeah, I'm very pleased with it. Yeah. One of these days, I've had two ses- two recordings in a row. I've had the same question about incorporating the uh, Founders Day uh, Castellanter sort of party, and one of these days I'll get to it. But I have plenty of time, so I'll try again next <laughs> month. <laughs> so. I'll tell you though, like, are, is there still a strat angle in all this? Yeah, yeah. So, like, that party is a great opportunity to sort of bring in your gothic 
Strahd's. Oh yeah, yeah. No, and, and I've already like, hey, I've, half of them here are vampires. I've already re- and I've already replaced Asmodeus. Uh, Asmodeus is not who they're worshiping. They're actually worshiping one of the dark powers from Ravenloft. Yeah, perfect. Right. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, a, yeah. And I've got I've got a whole thing. I'm sure you'll you'll hate it. So we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I think that's that's our time. Uh, how long have we gone? I, I have my recording stuff in the background here. Fifty-seven minutes and fifty seconds. Oh, hey, yeah. look at that! But I, I have I have but I have a question for you. Jeff. Okay. How how is your how is your group doing? Uh, I know that they kind of they wanted something sort of more traditional at the beginning, right? And and. Uh, or at least maybe you, um, you had that impression, and but you're yeah. still mashing up stuff. So no, are they no, doing okay I, with I, I that sort or? of had the impression that that a few of them wanted something more traditional at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, which is why we avoided um, some of the like we. I thought about playing running it in um, in the Midgard setting or in Eberron and that kind of yeah. stuff, and they didn't want to to branch into that kind of stuff. At, uh, some of them didn't want to branch into that kind of stuff at the, at, at this point. So, um, but yeah, no. So they're. They're into it, um, you know, and and the the one guy who's a uh, who's a big fan of the Forgotten Realms and definitely wanted to play in the Forgotten Realms uh, is loving like the allusion to Brigandareth because he's read all the Driss books and he knows who Jarl Axel and Brigandareth are, and so he's really enjoying those kind of uh, uh, nods and, and cameos, and that's all going really well. So um, no, I think they're totally into it. I'm I'm honestly um, I've got one of the players who's who's very clear to to like communicate well so he he'll yeah. send me we we got a little discord channel so he'll send me private messages every now and then it's like nice. hey i'm really enjoying the game but i just want to keep the lines of communication open the side quest thing is getting a little bit old that was in chapter <laughs> that was in chapter two before the fireball had happened and the, right. the main storyline wasn't going anywhere it was just, it was just let's go do a bunch of side quests for five years um and so he never really saw where it was going but i was already planning to I, i'm like i'm feeling the same thing dude we're on the same page here we're i'm ready to start advancing the storyline uh, and and we did and so yeah no they seem to be really into it his wife actually joined us shortly after we got started she's a big uh, role player who hasn't played in a long time. And so she's like, well, you're starting a new group with a new DM. Can I join? And um, I've got a guy who I've got a guy from, from my work, my new job, uh, who's uh, mostly a board gamer, but has done some role playing and he's interested. So I think he's going to join us this next week and we're going to have the weirdest party ever. How many, how many people do you have? So with him joining, that'll be six. Um, But one of our players, um, one of our players works a job where he's off and on every other week. So he's, and ironically, he's the one who actually found me and brought me <laughs> to the group. And now he's not there half the time. Um, but he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's going to be off and on uh, every other week or so. And sometimes gotcha. it's two weeks off and two weeks on or whatever. But he only shows up about 50% of the time right now. Uh, and then we'll see. Like, I figure we got a group of adults. And if we got six players, if one or two people can't make it any given week, we can still play. Um, if we get down to three, I can try to pitch them on, on doing a one-shot of Torg because that's what I love. Um, is one Torg is great for those one-shot things, right? In fact, I don't know if you saw, uh, I tweeted about it the other day, but the... Uh, the Torg book came out on PDF that I have a chapter in, so I'm, I'm excited by that. Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah. Congrats. So, very cool. Anyway, now now are we done? We've now made sure. it over an hour. Yeah, I'm done now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You're done asking me questions? I don't know. What's the timer look like? Uh, Good. One, one hour, one minute. Is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The timer that he reset? Yeah. yeah <laughs> that timer? <laughs> So. He was so fast at that too. I almost missed it. <laughs> I usually am. You guys, you haven't it's noticed like, before. It's like bang, it's off. Like we never would have heard it. He'd have gone on for forty-five minutes. I can't tell you how many times I've been editing, and then uh, like I'll 
I'll be listening to it, but I listen to it on like a, like one and a half times speed. And then in the background, it'll go, and I'll be like, what the hell? Yeah. I don't remember even hearing that when we were recording. Like it just wasn't there. Like, and it's not just when it's my time, but half the time when Mike's talking, I'm like, the timer goes off. And the only reason we notice is because Jeff says, all right, your time just went off. Like, otherwise, we don't even hear it. <laughs> Hey, hey, Jeff, plug the Torg book again. One of the people in chat. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Iron DM is asking about it. So um, Torg had a Kickstarter. It was actually came out um, early this year uh, for their aisle, um, the area of of the world in Torg that's called Isle. It's the high fantasy area. Uh, and so I wrote one of the uh, adventures in the Delphi missions. Every time they do a Kickstarter, they, they have a series of Delphi missions, which are uh, basically a one-chapter adventure. Um, and they get a bunch of different authors to write the different chapters and whatever. So I was one of the stretch goals, and I wrote a chapter for that specific um, book. So if you're playing Torg uh, Eternity and you want to write an adventure in Isle, I wrote one uh, called Protect the Elf that starts with uh, going to Stockholm and retrieving somebody from a bar called the Local Syndrome. <laughs> I was rather proud of that. <laughs> so. But yeah. Awesome. So there it is. Uh, so I think we're done. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. I, I appreciate all the people on Twitch who are joined us for this experiment. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I also, yeah. Thank you very much. And I also appreciate, uh, all of our listeners, uh, otherwise. And I think, uh, what is it? Steal your mind asked, uh, the Tome Show YouTube channel when, and my answer <laughs> is, um, I'm, I've been thinking about doing some streaming and some video with the, the Tome Show. So we'll see. Um, this was a fun experiment to test it out and see how it works. And now that I'm done with the grad school, I can look into it. Yeah. Unfortunately I did not, rec- I, I, I recorded little bits of it just to play back later so I could see how it sounds. Right. But I broke it up into pieces, so it's not anything we could, uh, put up there, unfortunately. Oh, sure. For you. Unless there's some way to grab it right off of Twitch, but I don't know how to do that. Yeah, well. And it was yeah, a mess can, in the beginning. I listened back to the, the echo was crazy. So. Oh, was yeah, it? <laughs> okay. You, you can, I had like you five can channels download. Yeah. You can download right from Twitch because I yeah, do it yeah. with my stream to turn it into a podcast. You download it, downloads as an MP4, like a humongous file, but then you just convert it into something else and it yeah, works fine. Yeah, I've, I've been typically recording stream. In any case, it was a fun experiment. Yeah. And now, yeah. I, now I get a, uh, this is the first time I think I've done a, a live stream ever. So the idea cool. of hosting one, having never done one, was always a little daunting. And now I've done one and maybe it'll kick me in the butt. <laughs> nice. So, I think we'll call this the end of the episode. So uh, that's the end of Behind the DM Screen for, I always forget, November 2019. Uh, Say goodbye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.